under your butt. I'm, of course, surprised that a story had such an immediate and profound effect upon radio listeners. Hooey pleases the boobs a great deal more than sense. Whoa, is us! We're in a lot of trouble! In politics, man must learn to rise above principle. What the hell are we doing here? We are behaving the way a superpower ought to behave. Well, our behavior has produced some crappy results. What we're witnessing now is the failure of the state. It is a death struggle for our republic. Giving voice to liberty in our time. So welcome to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. When I uh, came in today, I thought, you know, it's going to be discussion of a good weekend. And in many ways, it was a great weekend. My brother came into town. Always good to see him preparing for his wedding in June. I was just telling Troy here, the try home, try it on at home tux came in. Fit perfectly. Thank you to Norman over at Joseph A. Bang for doing that for me. Watched some Premier League soccer, football. Yes, Yes, dude. And I actually enjoyed it because I I still understand the game from us watching us playing FIFA all those years. And to see really competitive uh, football in that respect is engaging. Like... Uh, what's the guy's name for Liverpool? Mo Mohamed Salah. Mohamed Salah. He's Salah. A, yeah. He's Egyptian man. Superstar. And that you can just see it. Like there are certain people that have that it factor, that speed. Just watching him move on the pitch, he's he's one of those guys. You know, he, he's not even the fastest guy on that team, though. I think that that probably belongs to Sadio Mane. And then after watching two Premier League games with my brother, it's more about, you know, oh, and I was reunited with the red and fuzzy big booty Buddha, Mr. Gimli. Gimli came down? Yeah, Will brought him for two days and hung out with us. Is he excited to see you? Yeah, and it's always great seeing the dog he helped raise, and he's still a big, lazy, anxious baby. (laughs) So whatever. But it was great seeing him. Then my brother and I watched live Tiger Woods. That was so amazing. Win the Masters. First Masters since 2005. First major win since 08. I mean, thinking back, that's a senior year, freshman year of high school, freshman year of college for mm-hmm. us. And to see a comeback like that is, uh, it's pretty remarkable. And, you know, I played golf last year for a bachelor party. And after playing that, I gained a new respect for that game. Yeah. I mean, it is incredibly frustrating. If you if you Technical. play eighteen, you could be you could be terrible, but you hit one shot that's like perfect and yeah. makes your whole makes no. And I was round. off the tee; I was getting the hang of it. I was actually putting it in there, putting it down the fairway. Like I was like, okay, I can see the the appeal. Like it's really frustrating, but once you get good at it, I could really see the appeal. It's an expensive sport, though. Yeah, it really is. It's an expensive sport. It's like owning a boat. Yeah, but seeing Tiger like on that that shot he made on the par three sixteen, the uh, sixteenth hole was just remarkable. Like he placed it perfectly on that slope with a little black backspin and not black spin. I don't know what the hell that would be. And then also the internet. I was loving the internet earlier today because all the memes started coming. And I'm starting. I just I love them. Like Tiger, his jacket's being put on, and it's Joe Biden nestled up. 
in his neck. It's like, oh, no, Joe, don't do it. <laughs> And then there was another one. I don't know why it was out there, but it was just a picture of Roy Moore wearing his cowboy hat, looking into the horizon, kind of squinting because the sun was probably in his eyes. And it's the uh, feeling cute, you know, meme and said, feel cute. I don't know. Feeling cute. Might go to the Gadsden Mall later. <laughs> it's like, that's Jeez. just wrong. And there are several Tiger ones out there. Game of Thrones was great last night. It was? I, yeah. It started? It started again. That was the first episode. Right? Yeah. And they did a great job. I mean, die? Hmm? is there some death? I don't know. Not any major deaths. Was there some sort of unnecessary well, violence? The really cool thing with that show is you're in. You kind of have the the viewer's point of view, like a godlike point of view. You're in on the narrative. Like right. this person did that to this person's family member. The characters don't know, and the characters have been all over the map and separated. When they come back together, and they have histories they know and histories they don't, and they've been changed. This is what's so good about the show. There really are characters that change for better or for worse. There's actual character arcs. It's not just T and A and gratuitous violence. There's John, plenty of that. Is Jon Snow still alive? Oh, yeah. He died and he came he back? He finds out in this latest episode who he really is. A zombie? No. No. He is of actual... Well, I'm not going to give it away, but... he find, So he's... They call him the... Can you say the B word? Rhymes with Astrid? Yeah, bastard. Yeah. yeah. So he's... He's, he's a, not actually a bastard. Oh, okay. Yeah, pretty good stuff. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, Game of Thrones, the numbers came in. Nielsen was estimating 17-something million people watched it. For a premium channel with its own standalone service, that's a hell of a number. Yeah. A uh, hell of a number. I was amazed that we didn't have any interruptions in our streaming services. So was- I, I could have swore. I, I remember I was telling Aaron about this earlier in the week. I was like, they're going to they're gonna break HBO Go. Yeah. Yeah. The people are going to break it. But then, you know, I'm in this fairly good mood getting things done because I got paid today. I'm, I filed an extension on taxes. I don't take taxes in April. <laughs> take taxes, like, until the year after you're supposed to pay them. I, I, filed like, I filed, like, last month, and then TurboTax is like, when do you want us to uh, take that money out? I said, uh, <laughs> April the 10th. <laughs> I was like, don't take that out. But give me... Give me yeah. what I got, and yeah. then and then take it out later. Well, and it's an interesting thing uh, of our politics, and you know, I think democ- democracy is to describe our system as democracy. I suppose we become more and more democratic, little d democratic. That the the process, the democratic process, has become more prominent in our ethos, uh, but it's not always the greatest thing. For instance. The idea that the people are actually informed on issues is just nonsense. Right. Absolutely is. And taxes is a good, for instance, most people paid less this year. But because people don't understand, they're looking for that refund that they changed the withholding requirements. A lot of people are like, well, I paid more. No, no, you didn't. You took home a lot more in your pocket. They never even took it out of your pocket. But people are so used to, well, I get a big refund because they took all this out without any interest. It is nice, though. The, the refund is yeah. like... Yeah, oh, it's like, a good feeling. It's like, oh, boy. Right. Fill up the coffers. Yeah. But uh, they they constantly hit me. It, it, it's a point of frustration. You know, I don't mind paying... The older I get, the idea of, okay, I got to pay this gas tax. I may, you know, quibble with, like, how high the gas tax or how low it should be. Right. I'm driving on roads, all right? I'll pay the gas tax. 
mm-hmm. like basic municipal services. Okay. Um, I don't even mind if you want to fund, say, the national defense. You know, okay, I'll pay a tariff. It's how the republic was funded for over 100 years. But the introduction of the income tax and then withholding in the 30s really changed things. Um, it just, I, I pride myself on I don't have any outsized ridiculous debts. And then April comes around and they remind me, no, we took out a debt in your name to keep you safe and to do all these things for you. Like, how is helping the Saudis bomb the crap out of Yemen keeping me safe? I guess I'm not seeing the big picture here, but it's just the income tax feels like theft. I know it's legal. I know everybody's got to pay it for the most part. But it really feels like you are just taking money from me to go do whatever it is you're going to do. Now, I guess I could get wise and get on the other side of it, become like a government employee which my dad couldn't see. He's like, I worked on federal projects, and I had to pay taxes. I'm like, then why didn't they just give you a lump sum? Taxes already removed. Like, this is a point, a lot of it will drive people nuts, but it's just a basic fact. If you work for the state, you work for the feds, you do go through the motions of paying taxes, obviously. Mm-hmm. But where does your initial income that you're then taxed on come from? Tax coffers. Tax revenues. So why even go through the motions? Yeah, it's 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 a little bit more complicated for like I don't know about state employees, but for federal employees, especially when it comes to stuff like retirement, right? Oh, they 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 structure things very differently. They'll divvy it out into different pots and stuff. I, I just uh, the whole tax question, especially the income tax. You don't like paying taxes. You don't want to pay tax. I get it. No, because I don't agree with pretty much ninety plus percent of what the government does in my name and all our names. It's just like oh god, leave me alone. Mm-hmm. Uh, frustrating, very frustrating. But the biggest part, I've been telling you off air, because I've been sitting up in the studio since 11.35, 11.40, and then the news hit at about noon, and Fox had it on the television screen for three hours straight. Really? Of uh, Notre Dame, uh, uh, Notre Dame de Paris or whatever. Right. Um, burning. Was it just, did they have uh, the picture-in-picture picture while they were talking, like, here it is burning in the background? No, they had it on the French news channel. Okay, just streaming broadcasts for three hours straight because it it was right when it happened and it was very obvious. Like the cameras from the helicopters and you know, cameras on the ground could obviously see something was wrong. You're talking about flames, probably twenty, thirty feet tall, coming out of the where the steeple was, and then the steeple caught fire itself and was glowing like an ember in the fire, and then fell, and then fell. Yeah, and it just like there are moments like that. Where it's like, what is, you know, you go about your day, like I'm paying taxes, I'm getting car insurance paid and the power bill paid and oil change on my car. Thank you, Don Duncan. And doing all these things. And I don't ever think of, you know, Notre Dame, not the university no. or the cathedral. No. Well, nothing good happens in South Bend, Joey. I thought we had established that. Oh, you don't like Mayor Pete? Okay. Buttigieg? <laughs> no, nothing good happens there. <laughs> Which, by the way, I have to say, Touche to Mike Pence. Um, Buttigieg kind of came out like hard, like your God doesn't, you know, if your God tells you that I'm wrong. That probably would have frightened Pence. Well, what Pence said, and I actually, at first I thought this would be a cool conversation to have. These two guys don't know each other, but they do. Pence used to be the governor of Indiana when Buttigieg was mayor. And Pence and Pence's wife were like, really? Like, we've, we've known each other for years, and we've been nothing but cordial to one another and actually have worked together on stuff 
to help you and to help me. Like, and now you're going to throw this at me because you're running for president. And it just it's a running theme for me. It's like politics. You know, Christopher Hitchens wrote a book that religion poisons everything. No, Chris, politics poisons everything. Occasionally, you get some good things done at at the most part for the local level, but. It just turns good people that mostly have been friendly to one another and the claws come out. Mm -hmm. And it's like, ugh. But you can go through your day every day. Sorry to interrupt. Politics is like watching a divorce play out on the national stage. Yes. (laughs) It's It's like that that daddy hit mommy at the dinner table vibe just constantly coming at you. It really, it's like, oh. Oh, they're doing that. Oh no! This, you know, you kind of sip your water and look away, yeah. like. Or it's like uh, Billy Madison, like Billy's father. No, please, Billy, no gibberish today. <laughs> no, not today, Billy. <laughs> That's how I feel. Like Bernie Sanders is on the television screen now. At of all places, Fox News Town Hall in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I wonder if they're going to absolutely eviscerate him once this is over. Hmm. You know, like, yes, we, we'd we be happy to host you, Bernie. Come on down. And then he says his spiel. Can I, okay, yeah, he says his, he says his spiel. Spiel, yeah. yeah. And then afterwards... His shtick. Afterwards, it's just Tucker. This is awful. <laughs> oh, of course. <laughs> well, but weirdly, Tucker and Bernie agree on some crap. Tucker's part of this sort of populist... The populist right and the populist left actually have some overlap. Like a little horseshoe effect? Uh, yeah, well, and it's mostly on the traditional working-class places in the country that relied on manufacturing. It's going away. And they mostly will blame things like foreign trade competition. I'm sure that contributes to the problem. But, I mean, I talked about this last week. The critique of nationalist or populist economics is the year that the service economy overtook the industrial economy was 19... Wait, no, not 1910, no, 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 1840. Agriculture back then was still the most dominant sector, but the service economy overtook the industrial economy and has been ahead ever since. And when you're talking about the service economy, you're talking about things like, you know, the biggest portion is financials, and the biggest portion of financials is real estate agents. Not a bad gig. In fact, the sponsor of the show is Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. Great real estate agent. Uh, I would never look down on his profession. Nobody should. Uh, They provide a valuable service, and Eddie's been doing that while he did it for himself. He was working in a manufacturing job, and he realized, I want to do something where I'm not stuck in one place, you know, for 10 hours straight. Right. It paid the bills. It was a good, honest job, but I wanted to get out of there. So he invested in real estate, and he realized, oh, now I can resign. And just do real estate full-time. Manage properties. Oh, now I want to be a real estate agent. Not only manage properties and invest, but help people buy and sell their own places. So he went to Bo Goodson School of Real Estate. And now he's blowing and going. He's really uh, found his... Well, he's feeling his oats in the real estate profession. I mean, I've... Sewing. Sewing? Sewing and feeling. Okay. Like, he's feeling his... Like, this is where he's supposed to be. It's meaningful. It's what he wants to do with his life. Right. I... I'm a little bit too literal sometimes. I mean, idioms do that to people. But Eddie Bader, I mean, one of the coolest things he can do, Troy, I don't think you or I are in this position yet, but imagine we'd hit it really big, say, in our early 20s. Some We, we got in on Bitcoin early and actually, you know, rode the wave. We could, I could have made a lot of money. I could have. Could have, would have, should have. But imagine you have saved up and you want to retire, say, on the lake. 
Eddie has a place on the lake, and what he does, because it can be some winding roads to lakeside properties, you hop on a pontoon boat, and you go up and dock, and you get to see multiple properties in a day pretty quickly, so he can do that for you, especially as the summer months show up here. Uh, Eddie Bader can help you with that. So if you're a first-time home buyer, second, third-time home buyer, you're looking to sell that place quickly and want to put on a good open house and make sure you get top dollar on the market by doing renovations and repairs before you ever put it on the market, Eddie Bader is the guy that you need to call. 322-0662. Again, that number, 322-0662 for Eddie Bader with the Goodson Group. But there is a sort of a populist movement that overlaps that worries about the working men and the forgotten men and women as Trump called it. There, I noticed this back in 2016. There's a strange overlap with Bernie and Donald Trump on things like trade. Uh, it's, it's strange. There's a big political realignment going on that I don't think anybody really has their finger on it. Some people have found success in it, exploiting sort of the angst and fears and the change technologically and culturally. But, uh, I don't think we've quite settled with where we're going to be for years to come. But I can worry about all this crap all day. Like, I, I can do my own thing. I can worry about the entertainment I'm going to consume, the chores I need to get done, or the shifting politics or whatever. And then you see the Cathedral of Notre Dame on fire, and I actually felt sick. Yeah. Like, I didn't care about this thing, but then I'm reminded of it. And it's like, man, that going back so far, like you're talking 800 years, 900 years. I think it's like, well, based on when it was first constructed is in the 12th century. It took 200 years to finish. Right, to finish. it's It's like 754 years old, plus or minus the different renovations. Like, people are talking about the stained glass, which is terrible that it's being lost, but that actually got replaced like every right. every couple of decades or so because stained glass is notoriously hard to clean. Well, and I mean, there was a lot of uh, essentially they defamed the French revolutionaries. Really tore down um, a lot of the the great things in that cathedral. But to think about a building as sort of your anchor point of this is our meaning, this is our history. It was here before me, it will be here after me. Right, and the intention was to reach the heavens, so to speak. That's, you know, I saw a fascinating point that the the biggest growing block, I think they just overtook Catholics in the country, are the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but no religious affiliation. Now, before people get all up in arms, that includes people that are atheists, people that are agnostic, people that are spiritual, you know, kind of new wave, people that maybe are very much Bible-believing Christians, they just don't belong to a particular denomination. I actually know a few people like that. And that is now, I think, one of the largest groups and one of the fastest-growing so-called religious spiritual groups in the country. Now, as that's going on, there is a good discussion to be had about appreciating Uh, the past. And in all those discussions I've listened to, I've yet to encounter something secular, maybe government, but something secular that has inspired the sort of architecture, music, the arts that religion has inspired. I mean, you can look at, say, a project that's going to take 200 years to finish, 
you know it's not going to be finished by your lifetime, but you do it anyway. It's a, a view of history and the future in the long run. As, right. opposed, as opposed to the short run that we so much seem to organize our lives around. It's my biggest beef with, with politics. Is It seems like there are some big issues coming our way. Financially, for instance. Fiscally. I think there's also maybe some reckoning that might happen in terms of geopolitics. We're all over the map. And it's possible we you know, run into a tripwire. But it, those don't get talked about. It is always it comes back to I'm struggling. I need your help, government. Which I can't blame people for. If you really are struggling, you need their help. Fine. If you lost somebody to say uh, opioid overdose, you want people to do something. And it seems like the only people in town in the game are those who are our elected officials. But I don't know if that's the best way to organize our society. I I consider myself fairly part of the nuns, the no affiliation, non-affiliated, but I'm I'm searching, sort of trying to figure out why what is the meaning in our lives that's going to propel us forward and one thing that's clear to me is having a a clear bigger goal, transcendent goal. It can't just be oh I want to make a lot of money and have a bunch of stuff. That's probably that'd be fun while you do it, but once you get to the summit it's like okay, I got a bunch of stuff. I got money. What am I going to do with it? Whereas if you kind of work on... It could be something as simple as I want to be a good person. That project never ends. I mean, it's an ongoing process. But we almost got into a conversation. It's an interesting one off air about... uh, Say you have a ship that's originally built in the 1700s. And then it's preserved. It's like an old warship or whatever. And now it's a, muse- a floating museum, essentially. But over time, replacements have to be made. Until the, it's been, each part has been replaced to where there's no original part of it left. But it's still called the original ship. But is it the original ship? Is the, the soul of something in its parts, or is it in a different place? I tend to, more I think about it, say that, no, there is a essence to some... The things we give meaning to aren't necessarily in its parts. Though I, I struggle with this question. Because you could do things to my body, for instance, that would change me and who I am. Right. So am I still Joey if you, had, you know cut out a certain part of my brain? I probably wouldn't act like it. Yeah, so... That kind of... You asked... A- a really basic philosophical question that's been talked about for a while. And then you brought in biology. So the answer, I think, would obviously be a little bit different because cells in your body are constantly being replaced. Yes. So it's a little bit different, but like with the ship, if you replace all the parts of the ship, but you do it over time, is the soul of something, that is to say, this ship... Yeah. Although, I, I think it would probably be more fortuitous if we just kept Notre Dame in the conversation. Sure, if Notre Dame had all its parts replaced over time. Would it still be Notre Dame? Are people still going to Notre Dame? Are they, are they patroning Notre Dame? Yeah. So, is it still Notre Dame even though everything about it is different than it was in 1200? Right. The year 1200? And for me... The answer is yes. Yeah. Um, 
But that, for me, is because over time, the important factor of the soul of something is that it comes from outside of itself, given that it is an inanimate object. Right. Although, obviously, if you're Catholic, arguments can be made about the various sacramentals and uh, religious treasures and... The relics and the Relics that are in there. Yeah. Obviously, each on its own has its own significance in some way. But the church itself and its importance in the, the religion, outside of just the people that go there for Mass is, for me, does not come from its existence as the church. It comes from the people that occupy it. Right. At least the soul of the church to me. Well, and it suggests, say, even if you're the most secular person, and and I've heard these, it's why I can't, I've never felt at home in the so-called atheist agnostic community. I tried for a little bit. It just doesn't work. Because there's too much, I think, of a, a pretense that science answers everything. And science gets us a long way. Right. But you almost have to admit, like, when you look at something like, why did it hurt today when I saw Notre Dame burning? Like, it really hurt. I felt sick. Like, is it I just... Couldn't imagine, uh, pr- I couldn't imagine being on the ground. Right. Actually smelling the smoke coming off of well, it and not being able to do anything. And they said as they started to spray it with water, trying to put out the fire and mixed with the ash and start falling on people all throughout the city. I mean, it it's one of those horrible moments. So is it just that, you know, it's something that's old and historic and has a lot of meaning to a lot of people and so it hurts me there in that sense? Uh, but you have to, I think even if you're the most, like, secular person out there, have to admit that there are things, like you just said, that people, millions of people give meaning to or hold meaning in. And where exactly does that meaning exist? Does it exist in the stained glass window and the bricks and the wood? Or is it somewhere else? It's like when somebody's in a bad place, we're not literally going, oh, yeah, they're like, there's crocodiles all around them and they're about to be eaten. It's like, no, if somebody's, like, depressed and in a bad place, it's like a psychological place. Right. But it's a clear place. Like, I mean, and nobody, I think, would deny that. Like, when you see somebody who's maybe in a really violent place, like, and people who are then traumatized by that, coming back from, say, war or something bad at the home, like, that's something they carry with them. And it doesn't really exist, like, on the map, literally, but it's there. So I don't think a lot of the folks I've heard who are maybe make the atheistic arguments, I can't buy it because it, there's something very real going. If you want to say it's psychology, fine. But well, what's interesting is I don't I don't think I, I know of a single atheist who would look at Notre Dame burning and not also feel sad. Unfortunately, on the Internet, you can find some who are glib about it. Glib? Okay. Oh, it's God's will. Yeah. That, those, that sort of crap. I mean, the people that really aren't just angry. Yeah, they're actually interested in ideas and right. They would look at that and they might not recognize the church and its significance, but they would recognize the architecture and its significance. Well, and think about it's the architecture that existed for centuries and then the Nazis occupy France then Paris is liberated and then a hymn that started centuries before was sang in celebration of the liberation. Yeah, uh, soon after in the cathedral, and it's just 
moments like that shouldn't be looked down upon for whatever reason. That's an incredibly significant thing, and people should not only try to understand that significance, but uh, respect it in a way. That if it's making people do good things and better things and have these moments that seem beyond just, it's almost these out of body experiences, that's great. Uh, that's fantastic. Now, I think there we t- focus too much on the here and now, and I'm part of that camp. It's easy to do because there's so many options, so many things to think about, whether big or small, that maybe this is a wake-up call. Luckily, it seems that the main bell towers have been saved for the Cathedral of Notre Dame. Uh, the, the main... The artwork. A lot of the artwork was saved. Um, I'm not sure about the Crown of Thorns. I've heard different reports. One of them was that it was in the spire. Oh, oh my. So if it was in the spire, that's gone. Uh, but there was there was actually a water tower type structure in between, like on the main roof, in between two of the big spires. Okay. So the, the fire had to go around that. Sure. Yeah. Uh, so they saved the main part of the cathedral. The spire will have to be rebuilt. But that wasn't... It sounds like I'm making an excuse here. That wasn't the original spire anyway. Right. That one was also destroyed by a fire. That spire was developed by an architect, De- Deloc, I think was his last name, John Luke or something. Anyway, in the, in the 1800s. Yeah. So it's, I mean... It's an ongoing project. 200 years old spire, it's still, a you know, a bummer. Um, right. It's just, it's such a downer. I came in today, like I said, having a great weekend. Game of Thrones was great. Tiger winning was the Masters was great. And then to see that, it was like a gut punch. Mm-hmm. And a guy seems like he's fallen away from his Catholic upbringing to feel a gut punch. You know, a huge, not just Catholic symbol, but historical symbol. It, it would be stupid of me not to recognize it's meaningful. Right. And not to recognize how I felt and how I feel. Like, I feel down. It was not fun watching that thing burn for hours on end. And But the, for me, I'm, I'm down, but there's hope. Yeah, and the reason there's Rebuilt. hope. The reason there's hope is because, as we talked about earlier, the soul of that object does not come from itself. Right. It's not just the stuff. It's the material stuff. It's the people that make it that important. Those people come and go, and the thing still exists. But it's the people that make it that important. Right. Right. Well, we'll continue this conversation. Other little threads. After the break, taking it easy on a Monday, you're listening to the Joey Clark Radio Hour. Troy in studio with me. Be right back after this. Joey Clark. Welcome back. Apparently there is drama over the crown of thorns, the most famous relic in the Cathedral of Notre Dame. It is uh, a lot of folks saying it's badly damaged, it's not completely lost. To which, you know, maybe there are a lot of Protestants out there listening. You know, we own things like statues and relics. And... Fair enough. That's a good point. 
But I think everybody should have, I think most well-adjusted people would have a visceral reaction. Like the images of ISIS destroying ancient statues and temples. Yeah, it's, they know what they're doing. And I think anybody who has any sense about them knows what they were doing. Like if you want to really hurt people, it's more than just, you know, killing people. It is desecrate their symbols. That's the word I was looking for. Desecration, not defamation. There's been a lot of desecration, um, and I am not one for desecration. Occasionally, you need to remind people that thing you keep going back to is like the sacred authority isn't all that sacred. I would suggest government's now playing that role these days. and Like democracy, that word democracy, like how great it is. I am iconoclastic there. I'll be willing to smash the symbols of democracy all day, every day. If it's part of a process, part of a larger system, fine. I think it's better than monarchy in a lot of ways, or like blood right, or whatever. But it doesn't always... Popularity contests don't always lead to the best outcomes. And they often lead to being short-sighted and divisive and blah, 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 blah. I could go on and on about that. Um, But desecration is not my business. I I don't see that as my business. Um, I, I think that it's a ignorance, an ignorance or an ill will. I think in case of ISIS, it was ill will. I think it's, other people, it's just ignorance. It's a misery business. Mm-hmm. Like, you can't just live with a negation. You, or, or put it another way, it's an old G.K. Chesterton quote. Before you tear a fence down, know why it was put up. Because it's much easier to tear it down than to put a fence up. Right. Well, put it another way, it's much easier to take a crap in the morning than to construct a toilet. I mean, it's much more difficult to create than to destroy things. And we should all keep that in mind, especially as we are promised a lot of things and told who our enemies are and heading into 2020. Um, I worry there's a lot of uh, people wanting to tear things down, you know. And I have anarchists who are friends, not the black hat, let's throw a trash can through a Starbucks anarchist, but people who are like, we don't need much government, hardly at all, if any. Which is, I love talking to those folks because they make you think. But it's, uh, we got to be careful about that. And I guess this day, looking at this image of the Cathedral of Notre Dame uh, on fire is a reminder of that. Things that you take for granted can go away just like that, even if it was uh, just an accident. Now, I'm not going to play that game of speculating maybe it was something else. I'm not playing that game. Not right now. Not until there's more facts on the ground. The, the the reality for me is that a fire occurred and a large portion of that church was lost. The main structure is still intact. I can see that and I can exist in a world where that happens. Right. And now I need to decide if I can exist in a world where that happens with malice or not. And right. Well, that world's possible, let's be clear. Both worlds are entirely possible, and I'm not here to suggest either one at this moment. I'm just saying that the realm of conspiracy, mm. for me, starts and ends where the person that conceives of such a conspiracy, not conspiracy in the legal sense, like conspiracy to do something, right. but say conspiracy that something occurs is just outright denial that something like that can exist in your life. like. Um, was it the the other shooter on the grassy knoll or whatever? Right, right, right. Um, JFK is one of them, obviously. Right. Well, and or uh, what's that school that Alex Jones is in trouble with? 
Oh, Sandy Hook. Yeah. Sandy Hook. What happened there was awful. Mm -hmm. But I can exist in a reality where that happens. For me to not exist in a reality, or for me to exist in a reality where I deny that something like that happens, creates the realm of conspiracy. Yes. And for me, it's important to recognize that this church has caught fire today. Right. And to recognize that whatever facts come out about the case, that is the reality of what happened. Well, and I can see why conspiracy is attractive, because sometimes they're true. And sometimes the official story really doesn't add up. Like, JFK's the mother load. I mean, there's definitely stuff within the official initial reporting of it that's like, that doesn't... That. Or one I'll give you in modern history, recent news, was what happened in Vegas. Like, the official story that came down within minutes and then the following days and then this, you know, a couple months ago, the FBI came out with their final report. We couldn't figure out his motivation. It's like, that's just... I don't, but here's my deal: is a lot of the conspiracies that have been thrown out there to explain that I don't necessarily buy either. And it's one thing I I will just say openly to people that are dabble in conspiracy theory or full on in it is okay. I agree with you. I don't agree with the. I don't trust the official story. What makes you believe in the alternative story so much? Like, why can't we just be skeptical of most of the stories? Like, that's where I'm mostly at. But I see why it's attractive. It's like people do long for I have the real story, I have the real truth. Like it's a, it goes all the way back to it's like a Gnostic thing. It's like, oh, these other people are just lying to you. And the thing is, that does happen in human history. You get, I mean, why was Jesus talking back to the Pharisees? Because they were corrupt and they were using the official church and rules and all this stuff, the law, to their advantage. Systems become corrupt and we got to deal with them. But uh, it's not always, it's best to look at those clear-eyed and look at the, the worst possibility without necessarily saying that is, is exactly what would happen. And, and clear-eyed also doesn't necessarily mean clear result. I mean, oh, no. as, you know, whether it's, it's not a, a black and white thing, it's gray. It's fuzzy. It's so much we don't know. Well, it's like reading ancient history. Greg earlier today brought up uh, Herodotus. Like, he was like, who's the father of history? I'm like, Herodotus? He's like, oh, yeah, that's how you say it. And even if you read, like, ancient history, I think a lot of it's true, but a lot of it's also admitted by the people writing it. It's also kind of propaganda. Like, Alexander the Great. There's a lot of material on Alexander the Great. A lot of it was written or commissioned by Alexander. Like, say, Trump or Bernie would put out for their own cause as well. Some of it's like court history, what the king wanted everybody to know what happened. Um, and then even early historians of the American Republic admit it. Our job is more akin to being a novelist than, say, a scientist looking at facts on the ground. Mm -hmm. It's to inspire the nation to better things. That's why you get George Washington and the cherry tree, that sort of crap. Uh, it's moral tales or lessons. Here's how good our leaders are. Aspire to be better. I don't think that's completely wrong, but you just got to keep that in mind. I think we do, because science has been so successful in many ways. It's been and successful, I'll say, useful. Like, people have been able to make predictions. Those predictions come true. That people want to know everything immediately. And in that way that science offers. And I think there's so much to life, it's just never going to happen. And it's a tough thing, to, a tough pill to swallow. And we see that especially today. Yeah. You know, before, 
not just the internet, but before mass communication in general, information titrated very slowly. No. So it was much easier to sort of disseminate fact from fiction. Conversely, it was also easier to create fiction from fact. Right. Especially if you're the one, the only one with the books. That yeah, was the histories written by, written by the winners. Right. Well, it's also it's like the priests back when the Bible's only in Latin. They're like, oh, you can't use the printing press to print the Bible in the in people's native tongues. Interestingly, though, that reminded me of you mentioned Alexandria off air. Mm-hmm. Um, the Library of Alexandria was burned to the ground. Yeah. They one of their principles supposedly was that if you had a book. You would bring it to the Library of Alexandria, and they would copy it for you, man, and give you the copy. Well, and now we have, you know, for all the demonizing because they're powerful. Google, Google tried to create a library of all human knowledge that would be free for anybody to access, and they ran into copyright laws. How wonderful! Well, fire is undefeated against history, right? Fire gives and fire takes away. I would say, besides fire, history's worst enemy in today's information age would probably be magnets. Magnets? Erasing hard drives? Flooding could be up there, too. You think so? Yeah, I think the oceans are... We hardly know... We barely know stuff about them. I mean, any major catastrophe, that's a fun game to play, isn't it? Are we going to get flooded? Well, as long as there's Earthquakes, not, volcanoes? As long as there's not an electrical current running through it, I suppose the salinity content of water would degrade a hard drive. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm talking specifically about hard drives. Okay, yeah, sure. Because we... we An EMP... Would we be. don't really store stuff on books as much as we do right. digitally now. Right, an electromagnetic pulse would wipe out a lot of information. Now, I think people have looked into this, and they could only wipe out so much of the grid, so a lot could be preserved. But uh, you're talking about, I mean, it's fragile. Like, every, that's what I'm coming to as I get older. It's like, you know, you think you're invincible when you're young, and then your body itself, you got to take care of it. It's like, oh, that's not running how it used to. Right. Okay, now imagine this incredibly fragile thing. Like, use Tiger Woods for an example. Four surgeries. Couldn't even walk. Well, but think about somebody that young who finds that much success, and it's warranted success. It's the hard work, and it's the natural talent together. But when you're that successful that young, or you don't have to be young, but you're that successful that quickly, it's like riding a 50, 60-foot wave. And what usually happens when you get on the peak of that thing, it's glorious when you're riding it, but you usually fall. And it, it hurts badly. Um, there's a reason why child stars don't usually don't last long. There's a few exceptions, but I think actually Macaulay Culkin's fun to listen to. His podcast is interesting. It makes people wear bunny ears. On his podcast? Yeah, whenever they come and sit in the studio like we're sitting here, we'd have to put bunny ears on and talk to one another. It's a stupid little ritual they have. It actually makes sense to me. Is it like a disarming thing? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Like, okay, you big macho guy, you big macho wrestler, put on these bunny ears and we'll have fun. I don't know if they're actually doing it. I've only heard the audio, but yeah. Stuff like that, I think, is uh, it's interesting. It's fun. Who the hell is waiting on line one? I don't know. We, we answered earlier. No one was there. News talk. Who's this? You're on there? Hello. Ah, oh, see. The, the silent listener. There it is again. Yeah. But I know going forward, I uh, I have to admit, I, it, today was a bit of a gut punch. 
it's got me thinking and like, oh, so much could be lost so quickly. And there's so much we don't know. As you go about your everyday life, it's like you, you got to appreciate the things that came before you. You have to. In a way, I mentioned this last week. I'm, I finally just admitted it to myself. I'm, clear, I'm a libertarian, but I'm clearly on the right. And it's not just I work on conservative talk radio and have for now going on eight years. That will affect you, and the people around you will change who you are. But it's more uh, a basic question was asked, and it's how you answer it that can be a pretty good marker of whether you're on the right or the left. I'll ask you the question. Are some people better than others? At what? Or are some people better than others? Innately? No. See, this is the thing. A person who asked that question said, if you're on the right, and you go, are some people better than others, person will usually go, yeah. And they don't mean necessarily innately in terms of a class of people or whatever. But somebody usually on the left will give you a speech and end up saying yes or no eventually. But I look at, like, my everyday life. I don't hold equality with a capital E as, like, one of my main ideals. I just don't. Nor do I. Right. And I would say, to the answer that, are some people better than others? Yes. There are some people who are obviously more talented than I am. Who are just, whether you're talking athletics or intelligence... I mean, or virtue. They've actually developed the character that drives them forward. Yes, there are people better than other people. Now, you asked innately, and that's an interesting question. I think that's the only sort of egalitarian idea that I'll allow in, which is everybody, I think, should be treated with respect and dignity unless they show otherwise. Right. So in that way, I mean, there's a great Oscar Wilde quote, we're all in the gutter, some of us are just looking at the stars. Fair enough. I, I don't mind treating people equally, but I do want to leave room for, yes, some people are elite because they earned it or they're just there. Some people, we also need to respect distant, distance and difference, that, so to speak. The question didn't seem like a question of equality, though. No. No. You didn't ask, is everybody equal? You asked, are some people better than others? Yeah. Is everybody equal is... Uh, so, okay, so if you say, are some people better than others? Is that not reductive by its very nature? I don't, I, I don't think so. I think that just some people are better than others. That all sorts of things. I guess I value specifics more than fair enough. The, but the vagueness of the question to me, no, I I don't think that some people are better than others. But if you wanted, that's why I asked innately. Like when every person is born, are some people better than others? Sure, some kids are better breathing. Yeah, I mean, I, I yeah, it's 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 hard for me. I to, think, I guess, understand. Yeah, I just I I think there is a move these days that the people recognize. And they're uncomfortable with the fact that some people are just better than other people in a lot of things, in a lot of ways. Totally agree with you. And so they want to level things out because that is just a fact. And it's not necessarily always a good fact that usually people that are on top, that say they found success, like they hit it big, they created a product or a service people like. Right. Once you hit that, it grows exponentially. Once you hit that success, then the opportunities grow ridiculously now that you're on top so to speak 
you can now have all these options to stay on top or go even further, whereas a lot of people are still struggling to find that first success. So inequality does happen all the time. Totally agree. I don't like inequality that's... It's essentially not based on actual abilities. So if you have, say, uh, aristocracy, like the, the the king with all those noblemen, and he deems them the noblemen, and the only reason they're considered better is because they're willing to you know, take things and kill other people for it. I don't like that sort of... By law, I'm better than you. I don't like that. If you look at like people who are, say, bigoted in the like a sexist or racist way, I obviously don't like that. I think it's, number one, idiotic. There's a lot of, do- but I do think there are superior people that come from almost every background okay. that, for some reason or another, are just there and they figure things out quicker. They're more productive. They're more insightful. Uh, possess wisdom beyond their years. I think that just does exist, and we should cherish that difference and sometimes that distance as long as it doesn't get too corrupt and too tyrannical. I completely agree with you. Perhaps you can follow my reasoning here. Okay. What you're talking about is observable. Yeah. So from an unobservable question, are some people better than others? Unobserved. As long as they are human beings, they are therefore equal. Right. When you then observe whatever it is you're trying to observe from them, inequalities will thus exist. Yeah. We're in agreement? Yeah, absolutely. So our answer is the same, except the question sucks. Right. Well, it's supposed to be kind of your everyday, you're at a bar, are some people better than others? And I think a lot of people on the right would go, yeah. And a lot of people on the left would go, that question makes me feel uncomfortable. I'm not uncomfortable by it. I just, it, it is dumb. Yeah, I know. But it's meant to be one of those, like, throw something on the wall, see if it sticks, sort of quick. It's not meant to be some deep philosophical question. <laughs> it's not like... It's supposed to just get, see what how people react. It's one of those things. Joey, like no, nobody puts baby in the corner. Okay? <laughs> this question is putting me in a corner. Fair enough. It's just, uh, I don't know, I, I, I do worry that sometimes in the drive to go and, like, help people and be compassionate and, you know, in suffering and all these things, it turns very quickly into... Why do you got all that stuff? And it doesn't have to be stuff. Why are you considered so successful? Right. And people are looking constantly to tear down successful people for whatever reason. I think it should be celebrated. Yeah. Like, did you watch... Uh, I mean, obviously, Monday was before they released a picture of the black hole. And then there was Saturday where SpaceX landed their rockets. Yeah, again. you sent me that. Amazing. Incredible. Although, because... And this is what's so funny about the ingenuity of humanity the big center stage rocket of the falcon heavy it landed right Mm -hmm. it was the first time they landed the side boosters and the main rocket but they landed that main rocket the center um rocket on a barge of course i still love you that barge yeah the seas were heavy so they lost it (laughs) I'm, i'm not even joking they did this incredible feat of engineering and math an experience where they land all three rockets for the first time, and then the seas were heavy, so it fell over into the water. That's hilarious. And you got to have a sense of humor about these things. Um, I just, yeah, I just don't want to tear things down. I'm trying not to be on the side of... No, pull it out. I think they could buff yeah. it out. It'll buff. Like, even if somebody makes a mistake, it's like, okay, get, get up, dust yourself off, let's keep going forward. 